0: Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, a podcast where we dig deeper into what it looks like to live a life where in the end, all that matters is God and people. Each week, we will have candid and authentic conversations about how every day brings a fresh beginning and that the best is yet to come as we work together to help fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us. Now, here's our host.
1: Well, hey, welcome, everybody. I'm Robert sitting here with Chad, and we are wrapping up our series on unity this week and talking about unity in marriage. So, Chad, I want to start by asking you the question, what is the best date you and Katrina have ever been on?
2: Huh. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what popped into my head. When we were newlyweds, so uh, when we got married, Katrina was still in school. And, uh, I was working and we lived in this little apartment in Dallas, Texas. And, uh, it's actually the, one of the best dates was one of the least expensive dates. We, Mm -hmm. we literally had no money. And so we wanted to go out. So we were like, well, how much change do we have? So I had a little cup, you know, on the dresser, like people do put loose change and we dug through the cushions on the couch and we wound up going to this little pizza place called CC's Pizza. And for three ninety nine it was all-you-could-eat buffet. Mm-hmm. So we went and dumped our $8 a change on the counter. And we were so grateful just to be able to go out. So that's that's one of the best dates we ever, we've ever had. I think if Katrina was sitting here, she would probably bring that up too. So it, was, it right. was a good date. That's a good
1: uh, life lesson right there.
2: So you don't have to spend a ton of money to have a great date. You don't have to spend a ton of money. You just got to be... You just got to be grateful. All right. Yeah. The, pe- a- the pizza is not necessarily delicious, but we were out on a date.
1: The company yeah. was good, indeed. All right. So, what? Uh, what's the worst or the most awkward date you've ever been on with Katrina?
2: Yeah, and I don't want. I don't want to answer that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. All All of my dates with Katrina have just been amazing. It's of course just they been have. one amazing moment after another.
1: I think the most awkward date is the one that I was on with you guys, where it was uh, the three of us watching a Les Mis together. I got the pity, (laughs) the pity invite from Katrina. I'm like,
2: yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. I forgot about that one. So, yeah. So we were in uh, London at a church at this uh, event And uh, for those of you who don't know Robert well, Robert is a big fan of musicals. Huge fan. And so I'll just let you think what you want to about (laughs) that. But uh, we went and saw Les Mis at the Queen's Theater in London, and we took Robert with us. If if you really want zero chance of romance on a date, take Robert Watson with you. And if it's a musical, I'll probably say yes. Yeah. Well... (laughs) <laughs> that, that probably sounded really awkward. Let's it just sure move did. on. Yeah, let's keep going. Anyway, it was Katrina and I, and we took Robert, and yeah, he runned it. Anyway. I
1: was in the background of all their
2: selfies. It was awesome. Yeah, Robert stands up and claps before the last song is over. He's the first one. It's very embarrassing. Only if it's
1: that good. They deserved it. He's a big musical fan. All right. So this weekend, we talked about unity in marriage. And as we were talking about unity in marriage, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. So leading up to it, Paul's talking about uh, unity. In fact, there's this theme of unity throughout the New Testament. And and Paul talks a lot about how we are all one in Christ Jesus, that there's no male, female, Jew, Greek, uh, free, servant, all all of that. We're all one in Christ Jesus. I think he says that in Galatians. Um, But he's talking about how we're united and how we're filled with the Spirit. And he's giving instruction. And then he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, in chapter five, verse twenty-one, and then he spends the the rest of that chapter in the next chapter explaining what that looks like in a household. And he talks about wives, and he talks about husbands, and children, and parents, and servants, and masters, and he just unpacks what that means. Uh, what does it mean in marriage for us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ?
2: Yeah, so usually when people hear that passage of Scripture, they think of verse 22, which says, wives, submit to your husbands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've heard all kinds of things about that. Uh, you know, any man that's been to church for 15 minutes that's married knows that one. Right? Mm-hmm. Wives, the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, but right before that is verse 21, which you mentioned, which is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So let me say this clearly just to make sure it's clear. So um, in marriage, it's about mutual Submission mm-hmm. right which which begs the question what does what that what does that mean? and so um I'm married, my wife is to submit to me, and I'm supposed to submit to her, uh, and just kind of bottom line, what that means is, uh, my life is not about me, mm-hmm. uh, my life is about we. Uh, When I was single, it was about me, 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 me. That was the theme song, right? And then when I got married, it went from me, 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 me to we, 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 we all the way home. And um, the journey of marriage is learning that mutual submission. Uh, I'm learning to uh, give and serve. Mm -hmm. I'm learning to do what's best, not just for me, but for us.
1: Yeah, I thought I was really good at giving and serving and thinking about other people until I got married. And then I realized, oh, I had no idea how incredibly selfish I actually am and self-centered I am. And then we got dogs and then we had kids yeah. and every stage of life I've learned, oh, I was more selfish than I thought previously.
2: Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. When my wife and I got married, I go, okay, I, I I thought I was selfless, but I'm not, I'm selfish. And then you have kids and then it takes it to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but mutual submission It's just that it's, I don't live for me anymore. I Mm -hmm. live, I live for we, I live for us. And so it's, it's different.
1: Now in our modern context, we read this passage and, and we can easily get offended. In fact, when I first kind of did my initial glance, so when I prepare a message, I kind of read through everything and then I dig into it and I get into, you know, commentaries in Greek and all that. And my first glance reading it, I went, oh no, I got to preach on this passage, I'm going to stand up in front of you know, thousands of people and be like, wives, submit to your husbands is unto the Lord. Like, no, There's the reason I gave you that one. Yeah, here's going to come, a ton of emails are coming my way. I know it. Yeah. Uh, but the more I dug into it, the more I realized this is a beautiful passage. And, and it's not what we tend to think it is in our Western filters that we wear when we read Scripture. Um, in its context, what Paul is saying is uh, exactly what you're saying. It's, it's mutual. There, there's a mutual submission that takes place. And the controversial part of what Paul writes is not wives submit to your husbands. Cause in this Greco Roman time period, I mean, men were head of the household and it wasn't just well, women were property. Yeah. It wasn't just immediate family either. You had extended family, you had servants. It was all part of the household. And Paul's saying, let me explain to you what submission looks like in all these different relationships. And, and so for women to respect and, and to honor their husbands, they're like, yeah, okay. Uh, But then he goes on and he says, now, husbands, love your wives, which that phrase alone would have been jaw-dropping at that time. Because he doesn't say, love your wives, like, okay, yeah, take care of them. The goal of wives was, you know, let's have legitimate children together and all that in this time period. He says, love your wives. And he uses the word agape, which is that divine kind of love. So different words for love in Greek. And he says, agape your wives. Explain what agape is, what that means, the significance of that, that command.
2: Yeah, so agape is um, self-giving love. It means I'm going to give of myself for the betterment of you. Mm-hmm. I'll do what's best for you regardless of what that means for me. Uh, it's the way that God loves us. Agape love is, is to give and, and to serve. Um, love is a verb. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about what we do, about what we don't do. And when he says men uh, love your wives, agape your wives, the way that Christ loved the church, that's a super tall order. And to your point, in the in the day and time that he said that, I mean that was that was shocking. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you think about the word submission, mm-hmm. it's a military term. Mm-hmm. Uh, just break it down. So you would say submission. You would say it's. Submission. Submission. So it's it's about the mission. Um, you ever seen the movie A Few Good Men? Of course. Yeah. So classic Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. That movie. It's got Tom Cruise and Demi Moore.
1: And and for those who are listening, just so you know, there's times that I'll say something and Chad'll go off and he'll quote about ten minutes of that movie with voices and and all of that. Chad has most of this movie memorized.
2: Yeah, my spiritual gift is the ability to quote movies. So, I probably have about a third of it when I was in, um, when I was in college, the president of the university, his name was Roy Blunt. He's actually a Senator now from Missouri, so there's that little bit. But uh, I actually did a skit of him, but I did his voice as Jack Nicholson and a few good men the whole time. and uh, so that's one of the reasons why I've memorized so much of it.
1: So Chad made fun of Senator Blunt in college. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's before he was, he was the senator. He actually, uh, we had chapel the next day, mm-hmm. and he tried to call me out in chapel, so a couple thousand students, uh, but I skipped chapel that day. <laughs> <laughs> and so went on to be lead pastor of South I went Valley. on to be lead pastor of a, of, a, of a church, but yeah, I skipped chapel that day, so he was gonna get me back, and, and he didn't because I, I wasn't there. Here's the point. Submission, let's get Submission. back to the word. In the movie, A Few Good Men, uh, Tom Cruise is talking to a Marine, And the Marine says he lives his life by a code. And Tom Cruise says, what's the code? And he says, unit, core, God, country. That is a statement of submission. I don't necessarily agree with the order, but what he's saying is, I don't live my life for me. My life, first of all, exists for the unit and then for the Marine Corps and then for God and then for country. Uh, The word submission in Ephesians 5 is likened to that. It means, okay, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. It means my life is not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about my wife. Mm-hmm. It's about my kids. Uh, we think that submission is a uh, weakness mm-hmm. kind of word. Yep. Uh, maybe we think about, you know, you're wrestling. Somebody's got me in an arm bar. Yeah. Until, until you say, uncle, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to let you go or, or you tap out, you know, you submit. That's not what the word means. It means I use my power for your good. Mm -hmm. It means I'm, I'm part of, again, unit core, God country. I'm part of a team here. I'm part of a a family. And so the the family takes precedence over my marriage takes precedence over my personal uh, desires, my, my own selfishness.
1: Yeah. And counterintuitive because to your point, we do think of submission. That's a that's a thing of weakness or that's a, I don't ever want to, or it's a, I'm lower than somebody else. Yet God submits. This is a divine characteristic that God demonstrates for us. Talk about God's submission.
2: Yeah. So God, um, literally gave up his rights for our good. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he wrapped himself up in the person of Jesus and died on the cross for your sins and mine, that is self-giving love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus did not die by Roman execution. Uh, it was death by love. He gave his life up for you and for me, which was an expression of of submission. I'll do what's best for you regardless of what it means for me. And that's right at the heart of who God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, God gives and and serves. In First John, it says, I did a video devotional about this last week. Uh, it says that God is love. Mm-hmm. And then it says, not everybody loves, only people that know God. And you're like, well, everybody loves. Well, no, they don't. What is the definition of love? Well, love is submission. It means I give and serve uh, for your good.
1: Not for my own benefit, not because I'm going to get something in return or get something back. It's self-giving.
2: It literally means I'll surrender Mm -hmm. uh, what I want. I'll surrender um, what I would like for your good. And that's biblical love. That's agape love.
1: And in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6, Paul is simply saying, we're going to take this model of love that God has shown us. You're going to, husbands, you're going to love your wives the way Christ loved the church. And he goes on and he explains that. Wives, you're going to honor, respect your husbands the way the church honors and respects Christ. And And he's taking that idea of, okay, we're not loving the way people naturally love. We're loving in a divine way. We're taking God's love that he's demonstrated, and now we're just applying it to marriage, which is how marriage works. There, There is a mutual submission. Um, I heard this analogy. In fact, I, I used it in the, the sermon this weekend, um, that the way we tend to try and do relationships, is, is like an intersection where there's our will and then there's a will of somebody else and there's a collision that happens. And the most dangerous place on the road is the intersection. It's where you have a collision of wills.
2: When I'm on my motorcycle, I always flash my lights going through an intersection. Yeah. And you yeah. kind
1: of hold your breath and you're kind of looking both ways. And yeah, it, it's, it's terrifying at times going through an intersection. As obnoxious as they are. And even every time I'm like, this is so stupid. Why is this here? Uh, roundabouts are actually 75% safer when it comes to injury, 90% less fatalities than intersections. And the difference between an intersection and a roundabout is in the roundabout, everybody has to submit to a common center. Everybody has to take their will, set it aside, and, and it creates this thing where where you can have an intersection, you can have a crossing where there's not all these fatalities, mm-hmm. uh, where, where people survive it. And I think that's what Paul is getting at in this passage. That's really good. That, that we're all submitting ourselves to Christ.
2: Yeah. Well, a good marriage is a roundabout of mutual self-giving love. Yeah. It's 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 this dance of mutual self-giving love. I I give and serve my wife. You know, she she gives and serves me, uh which is really a picture by the way of of who God is. Mm-hmm. I mean the yeah, you know, father, son and holy spirit, the son submits to the father and the spirit. Uh the father gives of himself for the son and the spirit. It's mutual self-giving love and this dance of who and what God is. That was a lot of theology. That was good. But yeah, it's a roundabout of mutual self-giving love. Here's the thing, and this just crossed my mind. Here's the thing that, that's really a bummer about this passage of scripture um, is men have abused it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Through the years and they pull out verse 22, wives submit to your husband and say, and they leave out verse 21 when actually the command to the husband in many ways, uh, especially in that day and time was greater than the command to the wife.
1: Well, and just to say this clearly, verse 22 wasn't written to the husband.
2: That's not for him. Yeah, and yet that's the one he uses. That's the one
1: he memorizes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the part that was written for him is very clear. Love your wives.
2: Yeah, one of the most fascinating things, I think, um, about Ephesians 5 is it never tells the wife to love her husband. Mm-hmm. It tells the husband to love the wife, but it doesn't tell the wife to love the husband. What it tells the wife to do is to respect and honor her husband. Mm-hmm. You fast forward a couple thousand years after that was written— you go to a marriage counselor, and this is what marriage counselors have found. You know what men need in marriage? Respect and honor. You know what women need in marriage? I'm talking about emotional, you know, mm-hmm. how we connect, uh, is, is they need love and, and affection. And, and God said that in and through the pen of the apostle Paul a couple thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wives are to respect and honor their husbands, and men are to die for, give love and affection, uh, be selfless, give and serve their, their wives. And that makes for a good marriage.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. So I'll preach or whatever, and people, oh, good job, or I'll get criticism, whatever. I really only care about one opinion. Is it mine? Man. It's not yours. It, it's Lindsay's. We need to talk after. Yeah, podcast. no, it's, <laughs> yours, yours matters. Uh, you know, on the business side of things, but uh, I, I care about what she thinks. Yeah, and and her words of encouragement, as well as her words of criticism, far outweigh anybody else's words. Yeah. That's just part of how God's designed it.
2: Yeah, you also know she's going to tell you the truth.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah, so um, you oversee uh, children, students, young adults in our church. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for people who are dating Mm -hmm. in the realm of Ephesians chapter five?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Based on what Paul is saying, this is what this application looks like in this context. If you're a woman and you're dating a guy, and and you go, "I can't respect this guy, don't marry him, dump the chump." That's right. Uh, it's, it's not worth just trying to change him, turn him into something else. If you can't respect him, uh, don't, don't marry him. And I would say guys who are dating, if you can't give your life, if you're not willing to give your life for this person to love unconditionally, um, then, then don't marry that person. That that's a good kind of litmus test of, can we take this relationship to that, that next level of seriousness? Uh, yes or no. And if you can't respect the guy or you can't love, uh, the girl, then, then don't move forward in that relationship.
2: Yeah, probably the best word I think for, and I just did a wedding. I just said this at a, in a in a wedding that I performed this past weekend. Um, the best word for love in marriage is the word grace.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, grace is what love looks like when it meets imperfection. And so, uh, you know, it could be there's a woman out there and she's like, okay, I'm supposed to respect him as I would the Lord. Well, he ain't Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you're right. It's it's this decision <laughs> to honor and respect someone who's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's this decision to, uh, for the the man side of it, to give your life for somebody who's not perfect, who maybe hasn't honored and respected you. It's it's this dance of mutual self giving love that absolutely must be filled with grace, mm-hmm. and that's that's what makes for a good. A good marriage. And
1: part of the challenge, nowhere in this passage does Paul use the word if. There's no conditional statement. Yeah. There's no love your wives if, respect your husbands, honor your husbands if. It's, no, you do this not because of them, but because of who Jesus is yeah. and, and reverence for for Jesus. Because uh, at the end of the day, Jesus's mission for our marriage is that it would be a picture of his relationship with the church. That it would demonstrate the kind of love and and respect that that Jesus and the church have for one another. That it would be a little mini picture of that wherever our marriages go.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, think about this. Why do we have to take marriage vows? Well, because love is a decision. Mm -hmm. When we stand and vow, when I stood and vowed to love my wife until death do us part, what I'm saying is I'm deciding to love you whether we're rich or poor, mm-hmm. whether times are good or times are bad, uh, whether you weigh this much or that much, right? No matter what happens, uh, I'm going to give and serve. You know, I'm moving, again, from me, 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 to we, 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 all, all the way home. Yeah, and, and there's something that God does in us in the realm of character uh, in that context that, that shapes us uh, maybe like nothing else. Um, but, you know, marriage is for grown-ups. And one of the most common pieces of advice we give is don't, don't give up, grow up. That's good. Yeah. I heard a pastor say one time, you know, well, marriage is not about happiness. It's about holiness. Um, and I was like, yeah, so just keep being miserable and hanging uh-huh. there. That's not what that means, actually. Uh, happiness and, and holiness are not exclusive of one another. Uh, they actually go together. Mm-hmm. The more that you learn to give and serve the way that God does, actually, the happier you become. Yeah. Uh, we are not fulfilled and satisfied through selfishness. We are most joy-filled through selflessness. That's right. Uh, and marriage is kind of an incubator, right, uh, to learn how to give and serve. So, yeah, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ.
1: Yeah. God's the God of joy. He, he wants us to experience joy, but sometimes it's a tough road to get there. And there's going to be self-sacrifice, not self-centered, Christ-centered in our marriages. All right, I got one last question for you and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. If a husband and wife can't decide where to go to dinner, biblically, whose job is it to decide?
2: The coin. <laughs> you flip the coin Good in Jesus' answer. name. Good answer. Uh, actually, I, I you just go where the wife wants That's to. Even wants better to go. answer. Yeah, you contribute to romance. <laughs> and giving and serving as much as you can, right? You you create an environment where uh, she's happy and things go well. well and People on that are going to make that mean all kinds of things, but there you go. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> the end. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Submission. Give and serve.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on the Loving God, Loving People podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to us, so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you left us a review or shared this podcast with a friend. Doing that will help us reach and help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you're always welcome to join us online or in person for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc. Thanks for joining us.